0: The opinions expressed by the guests and contributors of this podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Cornell University or its employees. When you hear the words body size, what do you immediately think of? Weight, height, or both? On today's episode, we'll be exploring the topic of body size in a very intimate way. It is by far one of the most authentic and vulnerable shows we have ever done through this podcast. Toral and I will be joined by our very special guest, Mia Farina, on today's show. My name is Anthony Sis.
1: My name is Toral Patel,
0: and you are listening to the Inclusive Excellence Podcast. Thank you for joining me and Toral on another episode of the Inclusive Excellence Podcast. Just so that our listeners know, I'm mostly speaking on this month's show in the intro specifically because Toral has been feeling well. So, Toral, as we start our intro, always checking in with each other, how are you feeling now? Are you feeling any better?
1: I am. So as you said, I haven't been feeling well, so it's been about two weeks of sickness, and so I'm finally over that. I've gotten my voice back. I lost it for a few days in the middle, um, but I think I'm finally on the mend.
0: Okay, that's good to know. That's good to hear.
1: So Anthony, how are you feeling today?
0: All right, so we got some feedback that we always say that we're good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I'm going to try to switch it up and be a little bit more open and say that, you know, I'm doing all right. Okay. (laughs) I'm doing all right. You know, the snow is still here. The cold is still here. But, you know, I'm just here surviving, thriving, doing the podcast. So I'm doing all right, though. I'm not good today. All right. Just all right. (laughs) So before we jump into our interview with Mia, uh, I want to let you all know that this conversation was so insightful. That we are actually splitting this specific show into two episodes. So, right now you'll be listening to the first half of the interview, with the second half being published in two weeks on Wednesday, March 18th. So, without further explanation, here's our interview with Mia. Mia, thank you so much for being with us today. Why don't you start by sharing with our listeners a little bit more about yourself in terms of what you do here at Cornell? Where did you grow up, as well as the pronouns that you use?
2: So my name is Mia. I work as a career coach down in Career Services next to the campus store. So I see students in all the different colleges, which is really cool. I grew up in different suburbs around Buffalo. I've been in New York State most of my life, other than grad school. And I use she, her pronouns. And I guess maybe just for relevance of today's podcast topic, um, I think it helps since you can't see us or who we are um, to just kind of say a little bit about who I am or what I look like in relevance to the topics today. So I'm only five foot tall, so that's definitely shorter than average for women. And I'm just about 200 pounds. So not um, what some people might call a thin fat or big fat or medium fat, but um, plus size in some sense.
0: Great. Well, thank you for sharing all of those things. And we'll definitely disclose as well a little bit about ourselves mm-hmm. so that the audience knows how we look like in terms of our size. So, as usual, we have our question of the day and Mia, I know you're very excited. I am. Because you've listened to a few episodes I now, have. so you're excited for this question. Here from day 1. Day 1. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Love all the supporters that come on this show. So, I do have a question, are you ready? Ready. I think this is a good one. So, I heard this on another podcast and I was like, I want to asked this question for us to answer. So, should the workplace feel like a family, a sports team, a classroom, or something else?
1: That's an awesome question, Anthony. I know.
0: I heard it, and I was like, you know what? I would love to answer that here on the podcast.
1: Mia, we're going to let you answer first. Oh, okay. I'm on. Put you
0: on the spot, since you Um, love
2: it. I would say I would like it to feel like a sports team. Maybe that's because I had a positive experience with sports, generally. Because... Sports teams still get along most of the time. It's about like collaborating for the greater good, which I think a staff or a team, um, an office team should feel. Whereas I feel like families have a lot more variation of like drama or people that get kind of like outcast or um, things like that, so I don't know. In my mind, it's like working towards a common goal Harmony, most of the time, still a little, like, bubbling of drama here and there, but mostly, like, we're all working towards the same thing,
1: and everyone's included. Do you want to go, Toro? Yeah, no, I think I would agree with that. Definitely that I like that there's an end goal that you're working towards as a group. It's very similar to a sports team. And then, you know, there are a couple people in that within that dynamic that you're closer to than mm-hmm. others, which is very natural, uh, similar to a sports team. So I would agree with you, Mia, that I, I believe that it definitely is like a sports team. It's so funny because I've until you have said something, I've always thought family Mm. i think when as soon as anthony like popped the question my first thought was like oh it needs to be like family and then you explained your reasoning and i was like wait no that's exactly how i feel um but maybe i've just called it a family and i I really meant sports team
0: i think it's a challenging question for me to answer in that i don't know if there's like a general kind of way to answer it for all workplace yeah. environments, mm-hmm. right? So for example, I've worked in an identity-based center with an identity that's very close to my own. So mm-hmm. I worked, used to work at an LGBTQ resource center. So I think the workplace culture in that kind of environment was much more familial because there was a personal investment in the work that I was doing, but like also how it related to my own personal life, even outside of work. And so I think in that context, it was hard sometimes to view it as a sports team when there was just so much personal and professional investment in that work. I think in this role, though, I definitely see more of a sports team kind of dynamic. And so for me, it's all about the dynamic, but also where you work. And Mm so sometimes I think if you're working in in an environment where your identity is also at play directly or indirectly, I think there's more I don't know. I think it's it's a little bit more challenging to just generalize and say every workplace should be like this because it's depending on the work that you do and the workplace and the organizational piece to it, too. Is it a nonprofit? Is it a corporate? Yeah. You know, I think all those key things definitely play a role. So it can look different in those areas, like depending on your role and what type of organization you work in.
2: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: So to start this conversation, uh, I wanted to give a little bit more detail than what we had already discussed about kind of where this topic is going, why we're focusing on it. So me and I actually met through a body positivity group here that's facilitated through Cornell Health last September, October is mm-hmm. so roughly around when it started. So it was like a weekly lunch engagement. We got to talk about different things related to body size specifically and weight and things like that, how it's impacted us personally, professionally. And so it was just something that I just figured, you know, as a way to continue the conversation outside of that particular group, what better way to discuss it than through the podcast. And especially, I love the piece about focusing on body size in terms of height and weight. And so for me, in the spirit of vulnerability that Mia has already shared, I am about 5'9", 5'10", and I weigh about 190 pounds. And so... Technically, it's considered overweight. Technically, but you know, depending on who, yeah, no, technically, technically, it's overweight. But I think Mm -hmm. the the assumption that people have when they see me, depending on who you ask, Mm -hmm. and I think culture definitely plays a role in this. Sometimes people will be like, "Oh, you've gotten a little bigger, you've gotten a little chunkier, whatever," and then some people are just like, "Oh no, you look fine." So for me, I think my experience with this topic is very much kind of. I'm in the gray area where sometimes, you know, especially when, in terms of height, I think for me it's a privilege that I recognize I have to be kind of quote-unquote average height or normal height, whatever that means, because everyone else in my family is shorter, so I'm the tallest. But in terms of weight, it's something that I've definitely always struggled with, even things like body size. And we, uh, Mia and I, we talked a lot about that in the body positivity group, is that it's just been a challenge. Like, I'm, I'm not there, I'm not the perfect norm, whatever that is, but I'm also not like on the far end of anything, I'm just kind of in this spectrum area, so to speak. And so I guess to start the conversation, Mia, what was kind of the interest in you to want to continue this conversation through this podcast?
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I've listened to it for a while, but I also think that group was helpful for me just to kind of have that unity around body size and body positivity in general. I think walking into that room the first day, I was surprised to see the range of people that were in the room. I think I was expecting to walk in and see a lot of people who were plus size um, or somewhere on the fat spectrum. and there was people of all shapes and sizes in that room. I remember being like, wow, okay, maybe this kind of sucks that everybody in this room is here because they hate their body, but at least there's some like unifying, I don't know, it felt very reassuring to know that other people struggled with this even though it was like a negative common experience. So I think it's something important to talk about. Not only, you know, that group was really focused on our personal lives, I think. And it's certainly, you know, being shorter and heavier affects me in my personal life in a lot of ways. But I think even just since I started at Cornell this past summer, I've noticed some things on campus where I'm like, hmm, I wish this was different. Or, oh, this is definitely here from a much further time past where maybe more people were quote-unquote standard size so yeah, I've noticed some things even just in the what eight months I've been here. So
0: And if you don't mind me asking as like a follow-up, you know, what are what are some of those things that you have noticed that really bring up this question around accessibility, particularly mm-hmm. for different sizes?
2: Yeah, and I think accessibility is like the key word there because I think sometimes people view fat folks as like complaining. Of, you know, like you did this to yourself or you're big because of, you know, it's a very blame oriented thing sometimes when really oftentimes it's a matter of access. Um, and I wouldn't compare it to someone in a wheelchair. I mean, they're different experiences, but it's like, can I physically fit into and or sit at or be comfortable in that space? So I, I do like the fact that you use the word access there. I would say at Cornell, a couple different things that I've noticed one especially because I work near Cafe Jenny in the campus store. I'm sure there are other chairs on campus that are like this, but I actually hate meeting in that cafe even though it's super close to my office because the chairs are really narrow and they have these very harsh arms on them that like dig into the side of my legs and basically mm. like cut off my my thighs and my hip. It's just like oozes out the side and it's super uncomfortable to the point where like sometimes I have trouble focusing on the conversation I'm having. So even when people are like, oh, you know, it's just a chair, but if you're sitting in that chair for an hour. I think something else I think about is Willard Street. that traffic flow going in and out of Willard Street. A, it's not necessarily an accessible entrance in general because of the stairs, but the doors are so narrow Like, there's so many people going in and out there that I feel like I have trouble getting in and out of that building without bumping into people or, like, having to wait for someone to come in or out. And I can't imagine being someone larger than I am and feeling that way about not only those doors, but, like, many other hallways and doorways around campus. So that's something I've been thinking about at this older campus with some, you know, more traditional, old-school wooden doors so I would say those are probably the two big ones that I've noticed here at Cornell. I've had some other like work-related experiences, but definitely the chairs have been an issue for me. And I haven't been in as many classrooms here at okay. Cornell, but those desks that have the chair and the desk attached to them. The fold, yeah. Yeah, either that fold or you literally just have to like squeeze yourself into the space. Again... I know I have trouble with those because my feet don't touch the floor. I have trouble with those because I have to like squeeze myself into it. And sometimes for me, that desk is hitting me at my widest part rather than at my waist because of my height. So it's kind of difficult there too. But I also know tall people who really struggle in those chair desk attached things Mm -hmm. or
1: obviously Mm -hmm. people who are bigger than I am would also struggle with that. So in full disclosure, so I am a little bit shorter than you at 4'11". <laughs> That's something I admit too often. I it's always okay. say five feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that just goes My license <laughs>
2: says five one, which is also
1: a lie. So. Yeah, so Ooh, it just goes back to the history of things and how it impacts you. My weight is right now around like 160, 162. Mm-hmm. But again, being short, that is considered to be... Obese, Yeah. And so one of the things that I had to have done for me at work the same thing because my feet always hang is I had to get one of those desks that go up and down Mm -hmm. but not one that just sits on top of the desk because then I'm constantly looking up Mm -hmm. and and when you're short that's actually not the right way to do it so I had to get one where the entire desk goes up and down. It's the only way and and it actually sits about two inches below everybody else's desk. Mm -hmm. It's the only way my feet don't dangle and they're, they're not swollen at the end of the day. Yeah,
2: I got one of those little... um footstool things recently mm-hmm. I just found it in somebody else's like closet in their office um, I used to just <laughs> this is so weird I used to just put like a box lid like a paper mm-hmm. box lid under my desk because it was just that little bit enough that yeah. that raised my feet up so they weren't dangling or sometimes I would make it so that I would slouch so that my feet wouldn't dangle but that's not yep. good either
1: so <laughs> yeah
0: well, it's not good for your back right like no. when you're yeah. sitting posture I have hours, um, yeah. turned
1: my garbage over. Oh. So I actually used to be the recycle bin. So yeah. I used my trash can, but not my recycle bin. And, you put and your I, feet just, on it. I just put my feet on it. <laughs> wow. Mia, have you ever been judged solely based on your body size and not your knowledge, skills, or abilities? Mm.
2: I guess it's hard to say solely because you don't necessarily ask that sure. or have a way to prove that that's the core of the issue. Mm. But I think being a shorter person, and you might have experienced this too, Toral is people confusing you for a student, people assuming that you're younger than you are, or just treating you like you don't know as much. I think it can be really discouraging to have someone talk to you in a condescending way. And you're going through this like mental Rolodex of why? Like, why are they talking to me like I don't know what I'm doing? Is it because I'm new? Is it because I'm young? Is it because they think I'm younger than I am? So just kind of, it it really detracts from A, the conversation, but also that relationship to be wondering why they're treating you that way. For me, that's probably more tied to my height than my weight. I think the weight piece is more like at office events that have food involved or something like that. Those are a little more uncomfortable,
0: I think and having to navigate that right like how do you i that's so interesting you mentioned that cuz i've never really thought about it in that context but i'm always i am very self-conscious of what i eat in public mm-hmm. because i don't like the feeling of being bloated especially if i'm in like a work meeting or even if it's like an informal meeting with colleagues after work like i get very self-conscious about eating food or feeling bloated because then i become self-conscious about my image, right? Mm-hmm. Like my body image and the perception. And if I get a little, a little stomach that comes out, you know, I. It's so interesting that you mentioned that because I never thought about it in this context and around this conversation. But yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely for me like a, just something that's hardwired that I haven't really sat down and processed like yeah why
2: a lot of internalized like body shame and yeah yeah I mean we all have it right so I think even yeah. even people who are like fat icons or promote fat positivity, like they still will acknowledge those moments of like, oh, man, I did this thing today and I didn't even realize that that's where I was stemming from. Mm -hmm. So for me, things like that are, oh, I'm trying to be good today or, oh, today's my cheat day or I've been working out, so I'm going to let myself have this, like that whole idea of like bartering exercise and food and what's good food or bad food, like those Things, I think, can be really uncomfortable and these work settings where you're eating with other people.
1: And do you feel the need to justify it to the other individuals to say, oh, I worked out like three hours yesterday, so mm. I'm going to have a cupcake today. Like, other people can just pick up a cupcake and eat it. But you feel this need to, like, let them know why it's OK for you to eat that mm. cupcake.
2: I think sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Again, I think it's hard because it's so much part of our culture to kind of talk about, like, your goals or, you know, what you're working towards. I would never want to, like, squash someone else being proud that they've been working out or, you know, keeping up a healthy routine or something. But it is hard to hear other people say that and then feel like you can just exist and not have to explain yourself. I wouldn't say that I am of the size where I constantly feel the need to explain what I'm eating. I think I'm kind of in that borderline place where people aren't judging me as much as someone who's maybe like what they would call like super fat. So I don't feel that need to justify. But when someone else says something, then I feel like I also have to justify what I'm doing. So it's hard. I want to be supportive, but also I don't want to have to justify myself.
0: So in talking about body size and especially how, it affects people here at work. I mean, we started already talking a little bit about it, but Mia, do you have any examples that you feel comfortable sharing that really stand out as kind of either really negative or just problematic experiences around perceptions of your body size? Mm.
2: I mean, personally, one that really stands out for me, and this is literally sixth grade. This is years and years and years ago, right? But it's still something that quote verbatim sticks with me you know, lots of examples. But this one in particular was like this boy that I had a crush on. He was a baseball player, kind of like that traditional, like slim, tall physique. And I wanted him to be my boyfriend, whatever that means in sixth grade. Right. (laughs) Um, But I distinctly remember like standing in the hallway at the Boys and Girls Club after school and him looking at me and saying, I can't date you. The boy is supposed to weigh more than the girl point blank wow. sixth grade said wow. that like flat out and I will never ever forget that and I think it's impacted like who I view myself as I don't know if capable is the right word but like who I'm able to date able sounds really weird but like who uh that like rating scale that is people that you use know? sometimes mm-hmm. like, like who you
0: should desire or yeah who you should see as a potential partner right yeah. are
2: you like pretty enough or desirable enough to be with that person. And it's definitely impacted the way I view myself and honestly even the people that I think I pursued after that, like once I was actually dating. Wow. You know, I tended to go for people who were larger than me or taller than me or like much more masculine presenting because I was playing a rather masculine sport at the time and presenting a little bit more androgynous and yeah just i think that was that really impacted the way i viewed myself and potential partners
0: so for folks who don't know what androgyny is or means it's folks who present both masculine and feminine characteristics in terms of their gender expression
2: so i think that one really stood out to me as something that i just never forget but i think there are other i kind don't of just like um mm relationship things now even I'm in a long-term committed relationship now so that's not really something I think about as much but when I think about dating profiles or even friendship profiles if you use things like that oh goodness yes they're so visually oriented Mm -hmm. I think we talked about this maybe before Anthony but the idea of like where is the line between thick and fat like thick being this kind of desirable term you know and who gets to label you thick Uh is that something you call yourself or something that other people call you and even the idea of like catfishing like oh you have a pretty face but you're actually fat like that whole dynamic is really really strange so
0: it's yeah like you said where is the boundary for somebody who's thick and somebody who's fat like even the term thick as as positive as it may be there's still limitations to it right Right. Mm -hmm. related to body size and and I think there is this whole kind of Movement now, even from when I was younger, societally speaking, of bigger people now being more desirable. And so now where are people who are like not as big or not as thick, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, right? Like, what does that even mean? A, but then also who are not as thick, like... Where are they now along this kind of spectrum of desirability, which is yeah. strange in many ways. And I think the whole thing with dating profiles, it's just so like Tinder, like, is like, I guess the first one that started using the swipe the right, yeah. swipe left, or whatever. I thought that was just so weird. Like, it's just like you're just like literally just mm-hmm. looking at somebody, looking and you're at their stats. Them. Yeah, looking at their stats, looking at their age, their weight, height. And using that as a determinant for, like, whether or not you're going to swipe left or right. Like, it just, for me, the concept of it is just so weird, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Like, I don't even know the person, but yet here I am judging them based off of these hardcore statistics and numbers, and I know nothing about their personality. Like, what happens if their personality just blows me out the park? And I'm like, wow, they're amazing, you know? And regardless of that, but you need to know that information in order to meet them or have a conversation with them. It's so weird.
2: Yeah, I don't know if either of you have used Bumble BFF, but there's, like, a friendship part of Bumble that I also think is really strange because it still is very picture-focused and picture-oriented. And I'm like, for me, I don't care what my friends look like. Like, right. I just want to dive with them. It doesn't matter to me. So it really surprised me how similar the friendship part of that app is to, to the the dating part of it. So
1: it's very interesting.
0: So strange.
1: So I want to go back to your example that you just shared earlier, being in sixth grade right, Mm -hmm. and having somebody make that kind of a comment, because I'm sure we all have. And I I distinctly remember my comment to this day. How do you overcome something like that and and really accept who you are as an individual? Because to go through that in sixth grade, that Mm -hmm. impacts how you view yourself for not only the rest of your school days, but also, I think, as an adult, too. And so how have you kind of overcome that to be here today where you are you know willing and open to talking about body size yeah well
2: i will say i haven't totally gotten over it anyways <laughs> um i'm more comfortable talking about body size for a few different reasons some of those being solidarity definitely helps finding other people who are struggling with similar challenges. I think social media in a weird way is both good and bad for issues like this. You know, seeing people out there who are unapologetically fat and like reclaiming that word, seeing people who are different and lots of different ways related to their body, whether it's um, like disability related or body size or anything, I think can be empowering for others to to see, while at the same time, there's also a lot of quote unquote picture perfect bodies on social media that make you feel bad about yourself. So I wouldn't say that there's anything that really helped me overcome that. I think it's something I'm still struggling with but it seems more maybe socially acceptable to talk about now and honestly living and working in Ithaca and at a college university setting I think a lot more topics are on the table than in other settings too so I think that's part of why I'm comfortable talking about it for myself and also maybe feel a little bit obligated to talk about it for the sake of students who might not be comfortable speaking about it from their own perspective.
0: Yeah, definitely. I uh, So when we're talking, you know, we're talking about body size and there's, there's so many, there's that weight and the height aspect that we're talking about, but I think there's also just a general acknowledgement. We're speaking about our own experiences, but that this also affects people who are thinner or might be, really, really tall, as you had mentioned mm-hmm. Mia. So there's a lot of articles that have been written about bias and the role of bias in terms of weight especially and how people perceive people who are bigger to be lazier and less yeah. likely to get promotions and stuff. So from your own experience, you know from your experience in the workforce as a whole, you know have you ever encountered any type of bias based off of assumptions around your body size?
2: I don't know that I faced bias in terms of like not getting a promotion or something like that. But definitely the ability to like fully engage in a experience, I think, has been impacted for me and students that I've worked with. So just as an example, you've probably heard some kind of like team bonding, ropes course, type things Mm -hmm. um, that happen in different settings. And obviously there's a lot of issues with that in terms of just ability in general, but body size as well. You're talking about, you know, pick this person up and put them over here or balance out the weight of your team on this teeter-totter or try to like rearrange yourselves while standing on this really narrow pole. So a lot of those activities, regardless of whether you are quote unquote able-bodied, if you're big, it's hard to do some of those things and can be really uncomfortable for that student as well as their team. It's like, do you acknowledge this, no pun intended, like elephant in the room that Mm -hmm. this student physically is not able to complete this activity or the discomfort around that? So, I mean, aside from just like uniforms and giveaway sizes and, you know, just like polos and that kind of stuff, I think While that is certainly an issue, I think the bigger thing for me is, like, this is meant to be a unifying event, and sometimes it is the least unifying thing for some people or some teams.
0: And some people might enjoy it too, right? I think there's also that assumption that, you know, maybe it is going to serve a huge barrier, but some people who are bigger might also be like, yeah, sign me up, you know? So I think there's that understanding of, I think, just really getting to know your teams and who you're working with as you're putting things like events, like team building activities together and to just get as much input as possible and to really understand, you know, your team as a whole and not make any assumptions of like, well, they may not enjoy this. And it's like, well, have you asked them? Have you gauged a question with them or a conversation of like, the planning of that particular experience you know and so i think about recently i i went to mexico and i went on this zip lining experience where there were people of varying different body sizes and for some of the bigger folks they had like an additional harness but in no way was it like they were never treated like like a barrier like we weren't like oh like they gotta you know add another harness so therefore it's gonna extend it no it was just kind of like okay cool we'll just add another harness and call it a day like that's just like a standard protocol so i think just in terms of streamlining processes of like just getting as much input as possible on your team and really getting to know them without that assumption that people may not be able to do so or mm-hmm. feel uncomfortable doing so right so.
2: or if it's like a large group right where you can't possibly ask everyone don't right. know them you know if you're training a huge staff of RAs or
1: something, you're not going to know
2: before you plan something
1: like that. But it's also there's it's also something about how you ask them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so to approach you and say, you know what, the rest of the team wants to do this. How do you feel? That's not the right way to do it. Right. So it's about the how is also just as important as actually asking the question to me. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Because you've already told them what you want to hear. Yes. No, it needs to be like a survey in
2: advance or a question in advance, not like we're planning this thing and you're an afterthought. Right. It needs to be we are trying to proactively seek input before we make a plan Mm -hmm. and there needs to be a good alternative. Yes. It can't just be, oh, I guess we won't do that because then everyone resents that person.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, and even in planning the alternatives, it's like it's just a good practice to do to plan beforehand and not during or after the yes. fact like because then at that point it's like they're seen as an afterthought right they're seen right. as just like and then it becomes this whole issue of feeling like a nuisance the entire team so it's trying to be as proactive as possible for when those things happen even if they don't that way the whole team doesn't feel this disconnect in any way yeah. and like you said it's just kind of like okay we'll just accommodate or we'll do xyz thing for this group or this person and yeah. at no constraint yeah. to like the actual team dynamic or session itself wow this has been a fascinating conversation with mia with Toral. so this now concludes part one of the episode be sure to stay tuned for part two coming out in a couple of weeks
1: that's it for the first part of this show if you like what you heard today be sure to subscribe and submit a review on apple Podcasts, spotify or soundcloud it helps new listeners find Anthony and I, as well as the show. Also, if you or a fellow colleague would like to be interviewed for an upcoming episode, please email us at ie-academy at cornell.edu. My name is Toral Patel.
0: My name is Anthony Sis. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Inclusive Excellence Podcast. Stay tuned for part two of this episode on March 18th, 2020.
1: This podcast is a production of the Department of Inclusion and Workforce Diversity in collaboration with Cornell Broadcast Studio. A special shout out and thank you to Bert Odom Reed, our sound engineer, for making us sound wonderful each and every episode. Thanks, thank you, Bert! Bert.